You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I think what you're trying to ask is uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It, it, I have no choice over it. In the first place, to me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So, again, I think I've said this before in the same interview, I think, uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host, Jindai Jones-Hill. And welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Thank you, Jindai. I know you're not feeling well, so um, thank you so much for holding your boy down as one of my Queen's Intellect member, glad to have you back on the show. It's been a minute, uh, but if you will, Queen, uh, say hello to the Intellectual Outcast. So you didn't know we, we switched the name to the listeners to the Intellectual Outcast the last time <laughs> you did on this show. But if you will, say hello uh, and give them a little bit of your background because your background is very important to today's discussion question, which we'll let the cat out the bag on that after we introduce our guest. Go ahead, Queen. Thank you for being with me. Absolutely. What's up? What's up with it? Appreciate you for having your girl back on, Montoya. Although I'm under the weather, it's always a pleasure. Okay. <laughs> so um, a little about myself. I'll just stick to, I mean, I'm a woman of many hats, honey, but we'll, we'll stick to where I am in this topic. I am one of the co-founders or the founder of Black Grown and Married, which was created to encourage and sustain healthy black marriages for the sake of family and community, you know, both are beneficial uh, to that uh, to that union, that partnership. And, um, yeah, I guess I'll I, I keep it simple and plain for right there as we move on in. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, both of you queens are absolutely multi-talented, and so I will introduce our special guest, Coach of our, Thank you, Queen. Oh, and I'm 20 years in. My oh, yeah, apologies. Yeah. I'm 20 no, no, years no, no, into no. marriage recently, June 8th. Just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> oh, no, that's important. That's very important to this discussion. So happy anniversary, if you will, uh, when it comes to that. But, again, I want to introduce our, again, our special guest who's multi-talented in her own right in so many ways. I admire this queen so many 
in so many ways. But I'll let Cultivar, if you will, Queen, introduce yourself to the intellectual outcasts out there listening as well and share whatever part of your background that you think is related to this discussion question. Because, again, I know you wear many hats. And we could spend an hour going over your accolades, but uh, I don't think we want to do that. We, we need to do the show. Right, so, right. so give me the version that applies. But thank you, Queen, for being with us. I'll give the short version. Um, I'm Coach Vi. I'm a visual artist and educator. I am a mompreneur of five amazing sons. And I've been divorced for 10 years after being married, 14. And um, I think the reason Montoya invited me to be on this show is because um, I'm very ambivalent about the idea of marriage and what that holds in our community and for women as a whole. No, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that background. So the cat, let the, to let the cat out the bag, if you are a first-time listener, again, I go by the name of Montoya, a.k.a. Black Socrates. So our approach every Saturday morning is to, in a sense, invoke the Socratic method to whatever discussion that we have. And so we always do our show in the form of a question. And today's question is very simple. Is marriage dead? Is marriage dead? And so we're going to tackle that question. Uh, definitely want to get y'all input. We are a live show. I will give out the phone number for you listeners to get in after the break. Uh, but before we go to our first initial break, I'll start with you, Jindai. Coach uh, this is a pretty simple um exercise here and you'll see and you'll see the die hopefully she'll handle it perfectly and not go too deep uh, but the first question i always ask to start any show is when you first heard the discussion question worded this particular way what was your first thought Jinda, can you remember when i called and said hey can you hold me down it's been a minute here's the question As a matter of fact you and i were trying to come up with the question together to be honest and we, we settled on is marriage dead and so we say, okay, that was it. So I know that was kind of like, we're going to go with that one. Uh, what was your thought maybe as soon as we got off the phone as far as this question in particular? Let's get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with it. That was my initial thought. Yeah, I don't. I think that uh, the more conversation we have around black marriages, the uh, you know, I think that that's really important of uh, the survival of that black marriages. So putting that out there, because that is a challenge that, you know what I'm saying, that is within our communities. I was immediately, like, drawn to the topic. So, yeah, I was ready for it. Excited right. about that. Sounds good. And so, Coach, I, did, I think I did twist your arm just a little bit, and I said, hey. Yeah, because I was like, and you want me on the show for what? <laughs> As a matter of fact, I was like, let me call you back. Because <laughs> I had to yeah. sit with that question for a minute, like, what does that mean, and what does it have to do with me? And then I realized, what it had to do with me. <laughs> right. That's a beautiful uh, first thought. Yeah. Now, that's a beautiful first thought. Yeah. I mean, matter of fact, let me highlight even you having to go through that process because this is your first time being with us on the show. And I kind of broke this down to you. And I'll, I'll, matter of fact, I'll share a little bit of this insight even for maybe our new listeners. I think our regular listeners are pretty common or come, or I should say pretty used to the fact Because you and I have talked about this topic a little bit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what made me think of you. Uh, because, you know, in our own dialogue, I was like, um, you know, as you as you mentioned, you are ambivalent at this point, you know, just based on your own personal life. And then in our dialogue, I was like, you know what, um, while she and I disagreed on some things, the ultimate goal for all of our conversation, and again, this is more for our new listeners than our regular listeners, but our ultimate goal 
is to have all perspectives represented, represented, if you will. And so because we differed, I was like, that's the value that you bring to this conversation. Because um, right. as I always say, that even as the host of the show, uh, my goal is not to have people think as I think. The goal is that you think. And you just never know where a seed or I always say that we learn most when we hear ideas different than our own once we've got out of form of ed- education. And so, right. um, you know, Yep, and so that's why I reached out to you because of our own dialogues and literally our disagreement because what we don't do on this show is yell beliefs at each other trying to necessarily change people's opinions. It's just bring it here. You may pick up a seed that you can use in your own life, and that's actually been happening. Um, At the top of the next hour, you'll kind of hear the listeners out there, y'all, if you're getting stressed for my first time listeners, you'll hear ultimately what the goal of this podcast is. And and well, I would say the mission of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, I should say that first, and that this show is just an extension of that. And let me share my quick thought on this question as well, which I don't always do right before the break, but um, is marriage is is marriage dead? Well, of course, I was mostly caught up on how do I promote, get more people to listen. As I thought about it and sat with it myself, similar to you, Coach Divide, um, in preparing for it, sometimes I get lost in preparing that I don't even think of my own thought. But in this situation, um, I would throw out there, if I'm very honest, that there is a possibility that marriage is dead. I'm not, we'll get more into the second thought of that, but that'll be my initial thought. We'll go to the break and we'll get hot and heavy into this question and give out the phone number so that people can join us for this discussion. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good, it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. Do you need marketing designed specifically to compete in today's digital age? Well, look no further than Emoreg Digital Business Solutions, a marketing agency that's well-equipped to provide solutions to the challenges faced by businesses looking to acquire and retain customers in today's ultra-competitive marketing world. Whether it's video creation, website or logo design, mobile app development, social media and email marketing, or e-commerce design and development, Emoreg Digital Business Solutions has the answer. Visit them at emoregedbs.com. That's E-M-O-R-E-J-D-B-S.com. Or call 864-221-3632. That's 864-221-3632. Emoreg Digital Business Solutions. We're the solution to your marketing challenges. Yeah, you got to have an actual relationship. That's where it gets tricky. It's hard, you know, it's it's hard to find someone that you enjoy talking to, you know, that you enjoy being with. Not just doing stuff with, but just sitting alone and talking. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to find people that are on the same wavelength as you. It's hard to find people that want to talk about the things you want to talk about or want to 
you know, want to th- see things through your perspective and that you want to see things through their perspective, that you want to have these open, kind of honest conversations. It's not easy to find someone like that. These poor people that we all know that are on, like, dating apps, like, uh, especially smart women. I know a lot of smart women that cannot find a fucking man to save their life. And you look at it, you're like, I don't get it. Smart, ambitious, powerful woman, hot, can't find a man. It's hard out there. It's hard. To find somebody that you sync with, that you could talk to, I think it's way easier for a dude to find a cool chick than it is for a girl to find a guy who's got his shit together. Maybe I'm just guessing. But I think it's probably harder. There's a lot of single women out there that are fucking good looking, have jobs and shit. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host, Jendaya Jones-Hill. Our special guest is Kotova. This morning's discussion question is marriage dead, as we hear from the Joe Rogan Show. Just giving their perspective um, on, in a sense, I would say the dating pool and what's out there in their opinion versus men versus women, in, in a sense, what's available for each. Um, but um, Kotova, I'll start with you just because you mentioned the idea okay. of being amb- ambivalent, um, again, as our special guest. So, Queen, if you will, um, break down that word in your perspective in reference to, you know, this morning's well, discussion. Well, there's question. multi-layers to this, I think. Mm-hmm. Multiple layers. And do I think marriage is there? No. It's alive and a well for those who want it. Um, I'm not necessarily one of those people. I was married 14 years. I've been divorced 10. I've dated. And I think, you know, if you look at the history of what marriage was, it was a contract between families to sustain families financially or other words. Um, Even to the patriarchal thing that's carried on today where the dad gives the daughter away, right? So having been married and understanding the work that's involved, I look at uh, marriage in America across all the different backgrounds, and you have so many people who want to, quote, unquote, get married, but if you really look at the statistics of divorce, more people want a wedding and a party than actual marriage. And having been married, married, I understand now what it takes to to have that. And, and on the second go-round, truthfully, many women and men in my age group, and I'm 50, Understand the physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, and financial lifting that goes along with being married and tethering yourself to another person uh, legally. Um, it is work. And at this stage, I think, do I really want to work that hard? Um, if you also look at the statistics in terms of marriage and women, um, women who are married live shorter lives. Um, men who are married live longer lives. I, from observation of my own, the men I see getting married multiple times are still looking for that level of comfort that may, or protection or care that they maybe got from a first marriage or second marriage or even a third marriage. So for me to say I want to take on that level of emotional lifting in another person and add that legal aspect to it, it does not necessarily seem appetizing to me. Now, I will say this. I I fully believe that you can have commitment with someone long-term you're not married to. I've seen that. 
as well. My parents' generation, including my parents, all my aunties and uncles, they were all married 50, 60 years. But it was a way different dynamic in terms of what each person individually, the man and the woman, brought to the table and what they could provide for one another. Um, In 2022, um, if you look at the pool particularly of black women who want partnership, there's a lot of black women who do want marriage, who do want partnership, who do want love. Um, The problem is the pool of men available to them because while they're waiting for their partner, they're developing and cultivating themselves to be as strong in themselves as they can, and so that pool gets smaller and smaller and smaller for them. If you also look at the rate of um, um, non-heterosexual relationships has grown because it's more open, if you look at the quantity of black males that are in jail, which for me is my preference, that pool that's already small gets even smaller. So for me to be ambivalent, it's not that I couldn't get married, It's just that I don't know that I really want to. It's a lot of work. And people who choose marriage, I I believe going to it saying, I'm willing to do this work. I'm willing to go in to make this relationship, forge this thing I've built with someone work, and oftentimes originally it's steeped in love. But if you get to the end and look at the amount of divorces and marriages that end, I think it's less than – it's just not a lot of people go into it for the right reason. A lot of people are looking for a wedding and a party and not necessarily the work that goes into marriage. I commend the people that are married and are able to do the work and the heavy lifting for one another. But look at the divorce rate. That is not a majority in our country right now, unfortunately. So that's kind of the point of view I'm coming from. It's not that I can't get married. It's not that I'm opposed to marriage. I think it's good for those who want it, and I just don't know if that's a level of work I want to do at this stage in my life. No, I understand that. No, fair enough. Thank you for breaking it down. Um, Jindai, we got a caller that wants to get in, but I'm going to go to you, Jindai, before we go to the caller. Go ahead, Queen. Any thoughts uh, in reference to what Cultivar said or even the cut from Joe Rogan, and then we'll go to the caller. Uh, I agree with some of that and what she just said. Uh, I don't know about the women dying faster than the men, Uh Marriage. I have to go revisit that myself. But what she's saying plays right into my response. No, black marriages aren't dead. However, keeping them together has has had its challenges, and um, that you know today versus yesterday, and that plays right into what she says is that marriages work. You know, uh, marriage is cool when it's fun. You know that honeymoon stage. I think a lot of us, um, well, some of us go wrong when we wind up toward that divorce space that we uh, we invite folks to the wedding, but we push them out after the wedding. So then then it becomes a burden because there's only two people in the marriage when it should be, um, the community should be included in the marriage, you know. Um, I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we have with keeping it together. Marriages have to be nurtured and maintained, which also plays into what she says, and that can kind of get lost in the sauce. <laughs> you know, uh, as it moves along. So um, I guess I'll press Paul right about there to me. No, absolutely. So I, think, yeah, I will. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were finished. Go ahead, finish up, Queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's definitely not dead. It's keeping it together. Uh, it's rough. And I think that struggle is based around the fact that most of us have been raised in this notion that you keep people out your business, you know, when it comes to our relationship, and that has become 
uh, the detriment of healthy relationships for our, uh, for the black community. Go ahead. I love both of your thoughts. I will affirm for um, you, Jindal, uh, that she is correct in that um, it's not a it's not a huge difference, but it is the reality that single, that single and even divorced women tend to live a little longer than married women, and it's the and it's the reverse for men. Black men live longer if they're married than if they're single. So I will affirm that I've seen those numbers as well. Let's go to a caller. Area code four zero four last three zero zero five. Give us your name. Where you're calling from and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Area code last three zero zero five, you're live on the air. Zero zero five, going once, going twice. You are live on the air if you want to get in on this discussion. All right, we're gonna to go to the next caller. For the people that know, you do have to press one to get in on this discussion if you Call in. The number is 646-787-1691. You do have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. All right, let's go to, looks like another Atlanta caller, 770-LAST-3377. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hello? Greetings. Yes, you're live on the air. Hello? Yes, yes I was on mute. I apologize. Um, yes, good morning, Montoya. This is Estina calling from Conyers. And I love what both of the sisters have um, previously stated. I don't believe that marriage is dead. I do believe it is on life support. Um, <laughs> attempting to stay alive, fighting to stay alive. And the only way I truly believe that it will is if we begin to build the foundations from a healthy space, which it is difficult to do in America um, because our foundations have been rooted and based in trauma. And so we tend to find ourselves going from one traumatic relationship to another without yet really healing from the last. And we keep looking to search for this, idea that we have in our mind of what has been projected of what black love looks like from a um, very cinematic view when it is work. But anything worth having it will be work. And I believe if we took it from the stance, much like um, the sister stated, our parents did, where there was a lot of common law marriage, um, where they just knew that they were in it. They didn't have to define it by having a, a person, I would say, having a ceremony. It was a commitment made of the heart. And when we begin to make commitments in our heart, much like anything else we do in life, we don't need contracts to be committed to what we do. And this is where I've come to at age 51. I don't need a contract necessarily to know that I'm committed. A contract does show commitment, though, um, which some people need. But Mm -hmm. for those who don't, get what you can get from those healthy relationships and build upon that. Don't let it die just because you don't have a contract. And so for those Mm -hmm. who are in and those who are not, do what works best for you to have the healthiest relationship so that we can take this ship and sail. And that's where I'll leave that. 
Now, thank you for your thoughts. Mm-hmm. We are the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. So, you know, we will challenge a little bit. And the one thing I'll share with you is uh, one thing that I, that in a sense, our previous, if you want to say ancestors or our grandparents did and things of that nature, um, in the African-American community, we were actually more likely to get that contract than other groups. So um, while common law marriage was obviously more um practice way more in the mm. past and kind of changed the law on it now so that's why you don't see it as much now so yeah why and true while true yeah it was definitely plenty of you know i do you know i definitely am very aware growing up in the south that there were plenty of people who never necessarily went and got that contract the reality is um that contract um was something that was sought after very much after the enslavement period and we did it in droves higher than in a sense uh a uh, white peers if you will so just wanted to just throw in that clarity but definitely respect um your thoughts um uh, so yeah who is that um coach advice that you you want to speak go ahead Queen. oh just yeah, go ahead, ahead. That... oh no no i'm sorry that was just die first let me let Jadai go i didn't just know who it was go okay, ahead, okay. yeah i just didn't i didn't know which I one of you were speaking yeah i'll let, I'll let both of <laughs> you speak go ahead Jadai. All right, so I just I did want to just add to that. I love everything uh, in regards to what she just said. That was definitely on point. Um, but I did want to add to that contract piece. I think, like, no matter what age you, you jump into, like, those committed relationships, uh, I think that contract is important now and necessary, specifically if you're building wealth together. Because I have witnessed time and time again where common law did not defeat uh, uh, the state law, you know. <laughs> so when people come in... Uh, if one of you uh, die and that wealth is, is left without that contract, it could definitely be to the detriment um, of what you've built together. So that contract is important in more than one way. And, again, you said it uh, on here, the other part that I was going to address about why we did not have the contracts uh, in yesterday versus, um, you know, the privilege that we have of it now. So you already hit that. But I did want to add that part. That contract is important, especially when we begin to bring wealth together. Yeah, yeah. Prior to well, the enslavement, we definitely okay. – um, no, yeah, Prior to the enslavement, we were jumping brooms. And so once we legally mm-hmm. could get married, they would take those already marriages and just go put them legally in the – in the courtroom court, if you will, right. because we were jumping brooms way prior to being even allowed to go ahead. Coach, I know you have some thoughts as well. Well, that's one of the things I was going to say. That's why the numbers increased so rapidly. And I think my parents' generation stayed together because their, our forefathers and ancestors were not able to get married. So once they were able, they went and did what was, you know, the status quo because they wanted that same type of proof of love and care even though the love and care was in place with the contract. In terms of um, modern-day 2022, I got married in my 20s, never intended to get married or have kids, was not one of those, oh, Barbie, I'm playing with you, let's get married. That was never a dream of mine. However, I I do fully agree with the caller that um, commitment, marriage does not guarantee commitment. And unfortunately, the mindset of younger people today is that it does. If I marry this person, they're going to now be faithful. They are now going to be this person. I am all of, all of a sudden going to shift. And so that illusion of that is what oftentimes gets younger people run into the altar. I think the difference when you get to, like, my age, 50 or older, in terms of people choosing to get married is that that contract does become important. After a while, Um most people my age are committing and spending the seven years, 10 years or whatever together. And as they get older and should they build something together, 
or be together and build something separately, they want to protect their interests, whether together or separate. And that's where the marriage contract comes in. We built something together, let's protect it in case something happens to one of us or the other. But I also know couples who got married who built things separately and got married and built their contracts with prenups so that everybody came away with what they came into because oftentimes at this stage you have older kids, things you built and come into the marriage with. So there's this, well, let me sustain my property so they go to my kids or let me maintain this and these investments I built before you are outside of you. And then if we built something together, let's make sure that's equally divided. So I think the contract of marriage becomes something very different to an older person, especially an older divorced person who's been through mm-hmm. it, versus yeah, say one young who's coming into it in terms of, I got married when I was in my 20s because I was in love. Love, love. We neither one of us had nothing. We, had, we ended up five kids and a house, but something we built together, and at that stage when you're living off love is not so important about the details when you're going in it. As an older person, when I look at the idea of marriage, it's like, does it really benefit me physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, right. and financially? Those yeah, are the pillars I'm in. looking at to even date. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let um, me jump in here. We only got about a minute before break. Um, Istan, I may try to bring you on because I, I know I want to give you a chance to respond, but we're about to go against break. So I just would like to highlight, um, I love everything that you just pointed out, Coach, about because you're really just talking about at the different stages what it means, and I agree that once you're older, it could be a decision where you may choose to build separately because you may have separate kids. So that's very varied. However, I will challenge the concept, because I think this is where Jindal was going, is we do have this negative term on the uh, negative thought, I think, that exists today on the concept of the contract as if the contract of marriage is the issue. The issue is kind of what you already alluded to is when you were talking about understanding, you know, in a sense, functionally how to be together. And so the contract itself does not create the issue, and the contract becomes very important, I would say, early on when children are being involved, because that's where I think Jendai is alluding to when things are messed up and there are children involved. I've seen too many people mess that up with their in-house living situations and things could have been very different for those children had they simply got the contract. There are other things you can do aside the contract, but those are more steps. Most couples, if you're not willing to get the contract, you're not taking all those other steps to create an estate where the contract of marriage sets up the initial estate, whether you're on your due diligence or not. So I always like to throw out that it's short-sighted, in my opinion, in America specifically, but in other countries, too, based on their laws. A lot of times it makes more sense to have the contract if there are children involved than not. And we think we make the mistake of putting contract, and because we have a bad um, sentiment about the word marriage, we're actually throwing the contract in there as if that's the issue. The issue that's making you fall apart is more like what Kotova is talking about. You got the wrong expectations anyway. So if that's what makes you depart, and then, of course, our country is definitely terrible when it comes to divorce, so people are already thinking about how bad that is when they say the contract is the issue, and the issue is not understanding, like Kotova said, why you're in this in the first place. We're up against the break. We'll be right back. Um, Ista, I'll let you come back in after the break as well. We'll be right back where all I ask is that you think. (laughs) 
for most of history, the most preferred marriage form was not one man, one woman, but one man, many women. That was throughout the majority of cultures in the world, and it's the one most referred to in the first five books of the Bible. And in fact, through thousands of years of history, the theme song for most weddings could have been What's Love Got to Do With It? Marriage was something you did in order to make alliances, to expand your family labor force. That was the main way they signed peace treaties. Through the ages, the story of Anthony and Cleopatra has come down to us as one of the great love stories of the world. So not a love story. Anthony and Cleopatra belonged to the two most powerful nations in the world. So the idea was, how do you get this alliance? societies became more complex, and marriage was such an important political and economic institution, there were these huge battles between church and state over who could validate or invalidate a marriage. The Catholic Church was kind of unprecedented by saying, first of all, that you have to have monogamy, and second, you can't have divorce. And it took nine centuries for the Catholic Church to win and establish monogamy. The love match began to emerge in the late 18th century and began to be accepted. So the first draft of the love match, so to speak, involved redefining women and men as total opposites. Women became redefined as virtuous and moral and asexual. Men were expected not to cry, not to take care of emotional things, and to become the strong male economic providers. So a woman was supposed to now fall in love before she married, but she had to marry somebody who could support her. So even after men and women were supposed to marry for love, for the next 150 years, it was very hard because marriage was still about the dominance of men over women. In the 1950s, the advice to a woman was, pretend you're interested in your husband's work. Don't tell him about your day at home. He won't be interested in that. So it's only recently that we have tried not only to build marriages that are based on love, which was itself a radical recent invention, but to build marriages based on equality, which we've only been trying to do for the last 40 years. We're doing it without any roadmaps. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Jendaya. This morning's discussion question, is marriage dead? Special guest is Coach of Oz. We hear a quick history of marriage. Uh, we'll start with you again, Coach of Oz, our special guest. Um, any thoughts when you hear that brief breakdown of the history of marriage and, and how it, in a sense, might apply to the day. The one thing that stood out to me was, and I've always been saying this prior to this show, is that this idea of marriage for love is, a, in a sense, a very recent aspect on, uh, on humans, if you will. And I like how it, in a sense, ended with the idea that we're kind of doing this with no roadmap. I've never thought of it that way. But your thoughts on that cut, Queen? 
Oh, I agree with all of that. I've been saying that marriage has never been for love initially. That is a very new concept within the first, in the last 40 years. Um, And prior to that, it began to be romanticized as soon as turn of the century. Marriage has always been a contract between families to ensure their longevity, period. Um, And a lot of cultures right now, you know, I I wasn't going to get into it, but the whole patriarchal sense of the church running the ideas of marriage and puppeteering monogamy has long since been known. And so I, I look at this and I look at the forced contract church oftentimes made, and I'm not just going to limit it to church, a lot of religions and faiths that are traditionally patriarchal push this idea of marriage as the holy grail. And I'm going to say this, and I don't say it lightly, virginity is a construct. And as soon as the church delegated that a woman is changed by something as simple as a man's penis penetrating her, we already had a problem because that wasn't something that was taught to men to keep themselves sacred and pure. No, no, no. It was strictly for the women to be held in a high regard to make them more marriageable. I still find it problematic that in 2022 that even that concept, when tethered to the idea of marriage, is still prevalent. It is still an ideal and a belief amongst many states. But if you go back and specifically talking about um, black people on the continent in the diaspora, that has not really been the case prior to um, non-African religions. You chose a person, you were with them, and if it didn't work, you moved on. There's a lot of cultures now where if a woman doesn't like her husband and he isn't treated, well, she can move on and get another husband because she is the most valuable thing because the truth of the matter is women are the life bringers. Yes, we need men to bring them. However, all of that circles back around to the idea of marriage being for the children. And you and I have had this conversation, um, and the root of we got to stay together in our marriage for the children is one of the biggest lies people tell themselves. I've spoken to so many children who stayed in, who are around parents who are unhappy in marriage but stayed because of religion and tradition. And they said, I wish my parents would have just broken up because now, as Carla said earlier, everybody is now in a place of trauma. When you have marriages that work with two solid adults who came to the table solid, it can truly be a beautiful thing. I've seen it. But unfortunately, we have so many broken people coming to the table repeatedly choosing. I know three people right now just divorced last year. They're already reengaged, not taking the time in between to breathe before going into another person and choosing to marry again. And that way there's damage and there is trauma. So if we go back to the original question, is marriage dead? But no, but it really is on life support. There needs to be some, some, some shift and change so it does not die completely for those people who want that type of relationship. And, again, not everybody does, but for those who do and believe in that type of tradition, it's truly on life support right now. And there's not just one reason. There's a multitude of reasons. And we're not even going to throw in social media at this point. We'll come back to mm-hmm. that. All right, thank you for those thoughts. I will share with you that um, the, the studies show that the staying together for children outside of abusive situations uh, typically tends to work out better. Obviously, you know, you're very aware of where 
there are situations in which it didn't. Again, that's just, again, the numbers lean that way, meaning there are absolutely people in which it was better that they divorced for their children as well. But the numbers lean heavily towards um, sticking it out can work out for the children even better. Again, not where abuse is involved, whether that be emotional abuse, abuse or physical abuse. That in those situations, I'm saying for the children, where the children are traumatized. If you're listening to what I'm saying, if you're listening to what I'm saying, I'm highlighting that if there's emotional and physical abuse, that is absolutely the situation which you would avoid, and divorce is better. I'm just saying out, but the studies that are shown, because some people can. They'll do it for the children, and they still work very hard not to – they don't have physical and emotional abuse. It's not part of their relationships. In those situations, the numbers lean towards it is better to stay. I'm just telling you what the numbers lean towards that is still allowed for both situations, but the numbers are definitely better. Um, I'm going to bring um, Isna back on just to give her one last thought because I told her I would, and then we'll get to you, Jendai. Uh, is the, um, I know we heard a lot. You can address stuff before the break. Yes. Or what we're talking about now. Thank you for your um, being on the call this morning. Go ahead, Queen. Thank you for um, bringing me back on. I I concur with the sister in that when we really look and assess how these contracts can form, there's they say it's more ways to skin a cat, and much like I have. Um, designated a godfather and a godmother for my children because I see the qualities in individuals outside of relationships that may be intimate, okay? There are contracts you can create. They're called will. They're called trust. Mm -hmm. They're called because you trust people to do what they have shown you to do and be. Now, I have asked a guy friend of mine, to be in position of taking care of my children whom I love. And this man is not intimate with me, but he is someone that I trust that he would make good decisions on behalf of my children in the transitioning of myself, which would leave not only whatever benefits I have so that they can continue on for my children as well, those that I love. We don't have to necessarily go into a marital contract in order for our um, our benefits to pass on or what we want to see the best of those we love to have. Much like how we say we only have these feelings for our husbands and wives, there are people in our lives that operate in a more um, um, intimate way without the physical. And so that's where I'm looking at. I still have the same concept of I'm not, this is not about love in the bed. This is about loving what I see in a person's head and heart and how they can continue on what I have established in, in my living. And so we have to look beside just marital contracts when we look at people that are in our lives. And that's why we as black people falter when we don't set up these contracts that continue our um, our legacy to go on, and it doesn't have to be a husband, and it doesn't have to be a wife. It does have to be someone that you love and still trust, though, and I'll leave it at that. So, yeah, maybe you didn't hear that I said that exact same thing. I said that um, it, while it does not require a marriage contract because you can set up the trust, I said that, you can set up the trust, you can set up those Correct. things. Okay, okay, so I'm just saying, just keep in mind that in my response, what I said is, the unfortunate reality is 
a lot of people. But that is a form to... of marriage. Okay, so it is a right form now you're, of right marriage. Now you're cutting in. Right now you're cutting in, and I've said the same thing you said. So right now you're cutting in when I'm clarifying because maybe you didn't hear that I said things can be done. I, however, did point out that unfortunately I've seen too many situations where people fail to do those additional things. And so in those cases, the marriage contract is a great fallback. But my question to you, so I've, so I've basically said that everything you said you could do, I've said that as well. My question to you is... I didn't is, hear is, you. Okay, no problem. No problem. So I do want to add yeah. and ask this question, though, because this is, again, I think the word contract gets misused in today's term. That's why I'm challenging you a little bit on this. And so my question that I always like to ask people who think that the contract itself is somehow bad, um, the question is, what's bad about the contract to you? Because if you're going to set up those things, because, you could, again, you can do that in addition to having a marriage contract or without one, so we agree there. But I want to know what's wrong with the marriage contract. I think people mistakenly think the contract is the issue. So that's why I'm challenging you to hear your thoughts on that. I don't think there's anything wrong with the contract. I think it is a matter of the commitment. And that, again, is where we falter. The commitment does not equate a contract. And that's what what my sister was saying. Many people think that because they get married and they sign that marital contract that it's going to automatically um, um, be commitment when that is not the case. And that's really what behind the heart posture of most people. They want commitment, and they think that in going into a contract that that's what they're getting, when indeed and in fact that is not. And so, like this is, I was a virgin when I got married, and I thought that that was going to sign, seal, and deliver commitment because that's what I was told it would, and it didn't. Now it let's didn't. go. Oh, yeah. So let's go. To my dismay. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll just no, no. Go ahead. I thought you were finished. Dismay. Go ahead. Please finish. No, no. I, I'll just say this, and I'll end because I know other callers want to get in. But to my dismay, it did not. It didn't warrant the um, the continued commitment, even though there was a contract. But I'm so glad we went into a contract because it did um, forego where now we do have a settlement in that we I came in for love and I came in for the commitment. However, that wasn't the, the um, premise in which he had sat on. So I'm glad that there was a commitment. So it does work for those who work it. Right. And so let me highlight this and just another perspective, because I, I love what you're saying, because like you said, it's reiterating what Kotova said, the idea that people mistake the contract to mean those things. And so here's the clarity that I would like to add, because, again, I think culturally, if we're cha- having this question, is marriage dead? Again, I hear people start out with kind of like you did is, and I think we've gotten some clarity, so I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you right now. I want to add a perspective to this conversation. So they'll come in saying it's not necessary to have the contract. I, I just hear that said a lot, quite often inside of our culture, if you will. But if you listen to what Isma's real-life situation was, she had the wrong idea about the contract, but the contract at least helped her along the way with her children involved. So when I'm speaking of the contract from a legal from a legal standpoint, I think Jindai would agree with this, that there are there are fall safes that are in place in the event, one, that you don't work out again, especially if children are involved. And then here's the other the idea. So the conversation ends up being 
making sure that people understand what the marriage contract is. So versus having this mistaken idea of what it is. So we actually, again, make the contract a problem versus it's the expectation that is the problem. So for somebody like myself who's saying, hey, the contract is the fail safe for the couples who are not going to do and be as smart as Isma has been and got her will. We just had a, 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 a community discussion just two weeks ago at one of our live events saying, how do you retire to secure your family? And there were lots of questions on what an estate and what a trust looks like. So that's information that people in the information age can easily go get. But if we're honest, our day-to-day lives sometimes takes us out of doing everything that we should. And so when I argue that the contract is good, I'm only speaking of it in the legal sense, especially if there are children. But I agree with Kotova as an older as a, if you're older and been divorced or just getting married late, if there may be smart decisions in which you wouldn't get that contract. But I, I very vow that please go get that legal contract if children are involved and they are young. Jinda, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Thank you, Isna, for your beautiful thoughts this morning. Oh, child. <laughs> it was so many. It was so, it, there were so many parts to, um, to address there. Um, I think uh, for the yeah, yeah, the part about the marriage contract, you hit it on the head. It's not the contract. It's like what people are going in for the commitment, like the agreements um, that become the issues that become violated. And then so it's like, like, like that shift of like the marriage contract being the issue when that wasn't the issue um, uh, at all. I don't, I don't believe in um, being with somebody for years, like investing so much time in somebody for years. And then the end result is I have to, Trust somebody else with my life, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm laying and sleeping and and being with this person and and, and creating agreements and doing the work with somebody for years, and then you know. But I don't want the contract because it might go wrong. It was like, well, why waste my time dealing with somebody on that level? <laughs> you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't agree with that whole long term commitment thing, being with somebody for years but not married to them. And, you know, trusting it to be handled by other people uh, outside of that, because even both people can shift on you, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's you're dealing with trust and being in relationships without trust can definitely uh, be its detriment before it even gets started uh, and how quickly uh, it ends. Um, there was another piece where the sister had mentioned uh, going back to the. The clip that was playing. I hey, let me do this because I just realized I missed the break. You know, I got to take care of my sponsor. So let me do this sponsor, and that way that second thought can come right out of the break. 214, we'll get to you um, after Jindal's thoughts as well. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases. And for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Elfram Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922.
divorces take place because the parents are unhappy or have fallen out of love. These are often called irreconcilable differences. Perhaps you've heard someone say, I can either stay in an unhappy marriage or get a divorce and be happy, as if those were the only two options. But researchers have discovered a third, better way, persistence. One study found that a third of unhappy couples with new babies divorced, but of the two-thirds who persisted, 93% reported happy marriages a decade later. A 2002 report found two-thirds of unhappily married adults who chose to stick it out reported happier marriages five years later. What's more, unhappy couples who divorced were no happier on average than those who stayed together. In fact, Harry Benson, research director of the Marriage Foundation, noted that contrary to popular belief, staying in an unhappy marriage could be the best thing you ever do. In cases of abuse, safety must be a priority. And in cases of adultery, the marriage may be irreconcilable. But even if leaving an unsafe situation is the right thing to do, divorce still inflicts a heavy mental, emotional, and physical toll on children. There are scenarios in which the harm that divorce inflicts on children is justified. But adult happiness is not one of them. So the next time you're talking to someone about divorce and they say, If the adults are happy, the children will be happy. Remember these three things. Number one, kids don't just get over divorce. Number two, for kids, two homes are not better than one. Number three, if couples persevere, unhappy marriages often become happy marriages. For what would you say? Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Feet, along with special guest co-host, Jendaya. Our special guest is coached by the discussion question, is marriage dead? Jendaya, go ahead and get into your thoughts. I did the break so late, so this is going to be a short segment because we're going to get to the top of the hour. But go ahead and um, finish your thoughts and even make even a reference to what you just heard, if you will. All right, cool. So the um, so I I was about to conclude that one line, then jump onto fell right into what she just said. The problem, the issue is the behavior of the folks in the contract <laughs> that uh, the issue. So I wanted to point that out. But the contract mm-hmm. is a bad one. Um, and then uh, I wanted to add because the sister mentioned some of what they were saying right there. Um, that folks who stay together for the kids. When it comes to people who stay together for the kids but make an agreement to invest that same time in mar- making their marriage work, it can be successful. I'll use my myself uh, as a personal testament of that. I've been married for 20 years. People who have been together for years, there are going to be changes. There are going to be shifts, turns, honey. It's, it's going to be work, you know. And there has been parts of my own relationship within the 20 years where, I mean, we're looking at each other sideways, Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But we made the necessary. We we created an agreement that we were going to stay together because the children were a consideration. The family, the community that we were in, they were considerations uh, before we decided like, oh, we just gonna jump out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that also keeps us away from that line a lot of times. But in creating this agreement, we did the necessary steps to have elders a part of that that healing space. We had community a part of that healing space, and even professionals, okay, with the degrees to be a part of that, and it was successful. Right now, you would never know we had ever had any, you know what I'm saying, any parts of that. So I can clearly get why those numbers would show that if you have the people invested in the relationship mutually uh, as same for the kids. 
for each other. So I did want to clarify that. I did want to throw that in there that, yes, people staying together for the sake of the kids can be the saving grace of the marriage. Since we're going to be here, we might as well make it work. And you do the actual work, it can be successful. So I think that's why, because it's not that simple. Your marriage is not just about the two people involved. No, you thank you for those. Really no. key oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. no, 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 no she said something very key because in my, in, like in my relationship, he just got up and walked out. I didn't have an option. So mm. one of the key things you said is two people with a mutual same amount of investment. Oftentimes mm. people go in without the same amount of investment. True. You can't know that. Like you said, you're not hunting stage, you're building, you're busy, you're having kids, you're paying bills. Not everyone goes into marriage with the same investment. And so sometimes it doesn't become about the literally one of people. <laughs> and so that's. Um, your phone's breaking up a little bit, Coach Vibe. So important. I, I, you can, can hear me, me now. Now? Is it better? Yeah, it I was can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you now. Yep. Okay, no, I was saying um, what what you were saying about it, the two people being mutual in agreement, not everybody goes into marriage with the same investment. Not no, everybody has the same circumstances. So no, when possible to stay together for the children if it works for them, but that's not um, everyone's situation. And no, absolutely, absolutely. Let me get to a right. caller because I had yeah. to do a short – yeah, I had to get to a short break. I don't know, this is a short one because i got to go to the okay, top of the okay. break. But no, no, thank you for that thought. The one thing I will highlight um, is that's hopefully that's the dialogue. If we say that marriage is on life support, then the dialogue that people should pick up on is trying your best to understand, does, does the person you with understand some of what y'all are talking about, the work that's required, and that they're not caught up in just a fairy tale because you're absolutely right. You can find out after the fact that the other person is no what I'm saying is no guarantee, but the unfortunate reality is with the wrong expectations, people are getting caught up in love and, and finding out after the fact that this person had a whole different idea of what commitment looks like. So now it's like, can we be smarter about those things prior? Because again, we know that now that love is involved, we've lost sight of some of the foundational stuff. Let's go to um, number two, one, four, last three, seven, four, five. Give us your name where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Uh, good morning, family. My name is Shafika, and I am calling from Kansas City. Uh, this conversation is hugely close to me because I was married, um, got engaged two days after graduating from college, and uh, actually the day of my graduation from college, and got married at 23 a year later. And so um, the conversation about marriage being dead, having been divorced, children were not a part of um, of the marriage, but were a huge uh, co- they were a huge consideration in the marriage, and uh, infidelity was at play. A lot of different a lot of different components that I now uh, have a better understanding that have to do with just our human condition. So. Uh, in response to the question, is marriage dead, okay, I'm getting closer to 50 and I am about to be married again for uh, the second time with um, a brother who has also been married. We both came into the relationship with children that were at different stages, um, and so we now will have what we call a blended family. I think 
that the idea of the death of marriage needs to be shifted to the evolution of it because for melanated people, we have had uh, a lot of different dynamics that have taken place just in this lifestyle, this lifetime. So educational opportunities, um, what has happened between the black woman and the black man because of socioeconomic, all of the factors that have been discussed that are real, I don't think we take those into account. So one of the things that has allowed us to get to this place, and it has not been an easy place, we have been in, uh, in, in a holding pattern of being just committed to each other and not married for the last eight years, is um, a lot of what these sisters have brought to light, which is um, we have to make a decision. Well, one thing was the basic premise was we are committed to the commitment. We also, though, made a decision that we would heal each other, having gone through previous relationships, having gone through uh, familial traumas, um, a loss of a parent when he was younger, uh, the loss of a parent as an adult, all of those parts. And so I think what's different for us, and especially as black women, is that we can find solace uh, in confiding in external relationships. The work that has to be done in trusting a man to really take care of you when there aren't a lot of demonstrations of that, it creates a lot of conflict for us. And again, when we bring socioeconomics and education into play, that changes the conversation altogether. So at what, how are we measuring the worth of our man? And I would say that if we are going into it as a romantic love with the understanding of the financial ramifications, then we have to come into it um, as, as black men and black women with the with a basic premise of healing. And that means that there is going to require a lot of support and a lot of trust that we don't have demonstrations for. So I love that the sisters talked about how recent these concepts are for us. And we really need to create a blueprint that is more realistic to what our condition is in the space that we are in now. And I will tell you that mental health is something that involves addressing post-traumatic slave syndrome and not having those tools for healing those traumas. It is almost near impossible for to us to think that we can relate and have any level of trust because the conversation of what I came into it with and what you came into it with, everything is laced with a lack of trust. You know, and I'm not saying as a fairy tale that you just need to blindly go into a business transaction without having enough information. But if we're not even at a point where we can talk about possibilities and, and to admit that, hey, the reason why I don't want to have you on this house is because if something happens to me, will you take care of my kids? We're a blended family. That's a real conversation. So the development of trust has to come through our healing, and we need to evolve this conversation about marriage to who we are as the modern-day uh, aboriginal melanated people because it isn't the same conversation for our white counterparts at all, and it has to do with access, and it has to do with the stability of knowing that even if things between us, everybody has something to fall back on. We come in with so little, and even for those of us who have some wealth, it, it can be gone in a day for us. Everything can change for us. So we have additional pressures that make that other person really have a lot to have to be available to us and for us. And so going back to the concept of our community, if we're not building community that involves the, the basic premise that two people coming together increases, then it's going to be difficult for two people to be in this island-type mentality for all of our already very heavy things that we're bringing in. And then the larger 
concepts that we need to try to unpack together. So I don't think that marriage is bad. And uh, I will tell you that the BGM community, the Black, Grown, and Married, put a lot of pressure on us to, to be done with this shacking up. But we couldn't get to this point until we had some very serious individual, you know, reflections. We got help for ourselves, and we were very vocal with other people about the things that worked and didn't work for us and the things that we still have fears and concerns about. And there were plenty of uh, conceptual breakups, but the one concept is we agreed we were going to heal ourselves as individuals and we were going to heal ourselves as black men and black women, and this is the way that we chose to do it, by being in relationship with each other. So I think that we are relational as humans, and what that sister talked about in having a godparent, I do have a godparent that is a platonic relationship, and I have a set of godparents who are a married couple. And I will tell you this, my son's preference is to be in the home of that married couple rather than Uncle Daddy, who was a single man. Go figure. Love it. So, so what was your name, Shamika? Did I get, catch the name right? It's Shafika with an F. Shafika, I just heard it. Okay, that's why I asked. That's why I asked. Because right now I need Jendai and Coach about not to be mad at me for allowing you to bust completely through the break. But when your three cents is that dope, the break can wait. You feel me? So I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. it, brother. Yeah, I appreciate you, Shafika. Um, uh, shouting out, bless, shout out Black, Grown, and Mary. Putting on that pressure. I love it. So I definitely respect that. You said a lot there. We are up against the break, so forgive me, uh, Jedi and Kutubai. We won't be able to respond initially. We're going to go to this break. Um, Shabika, I love what you had to say. Appreciate you, Queen, for your three cents this morning. Absolutely. My pleasure. All right. We'll be right back. We're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think the other callers will be getting y'all in coming out of the break. We'll be right back. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Oh, how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies' gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. Truth Seekers, please understand, Mental Dialogue is much more than just a talk show. Each and every Saturday, we communicate with you for two reasons, to dialogue and connect. On the dialogue side, we cater to you intellectual outcasts who feel you have no place for honest discourse on race, sex, culture, and African-American business. On the Connect side, we've created a community where you can connect with experts specifically in finance, whether personal or business, and mental health, whether it's trauma or to optimize performance, along with all the other skill sets from other MD community members. Our mission was to create a virtual nationwide neighborhood where African Americans learn to trade ideas, goods, and services through social media, meetups, and this podcast. 
become a neighbor of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, please visit us at mentaldialogue.com. We are better with you than we are without you. We can be neighbors even though we don't live next to each other. Hashtag raise the culture. That's actually why people get married, you know, just so you know. Because this is built into marital vows. I'm not leaving ever, no matter what. It's like, okay, well, that definitely puts a boundary around our arguments, right? Because I can't say every time you manifest one of your flaws, which you're likely to do just as often as me, well, enough of this. It's like, that's horrible, man. If your whole life is, well, every time you get out of line, I'm, I'm out of here. It's like, how the hell are you? First of all, you're not going to admit to ever doing anything wrong. Second, you're going to be on your... You're like a, like a scared cat the entire relationship because, well, who knows? It could just come to an end at any moment. It's like, you know, people say, well, if, you're, if the possibility of divorce is open, it makes you free. It's like, yeah, that's what you want. You want to be free, eh? Really? Really? So you can't predict anything. That's what you're after. It's a vow. And it says, look, I know that you're trouble. Me too. So we won't leave. No matter what happens. Well, that's a hell of a vow, but that's why it's a vow, right? That's why you take it in front of a bunch of people. That's why it's supposed to be a sacred act. It's like, what's the alternative? What's the alternative? Everything is mutable and changeable at any moment. Well, go ahead. You live your, live your life like that and see what you're like when you're 50. Jesus, it's dismal. Two or three divorces. Your family's fragmented. You've got no continuity of narrative. It's, and it's not good for the kids, not by any stretch of the imagination. And so... It's a form of voluntary enslavement, I suppose, but it's also equivalent to the adoption of a responsibility. And there's more to it than that. If you can't run away, then you can solve your problems. Because it might be, okay, well, I'm stuck with you. So how about we fix things? Because the alternative is we're going to be in a boxing match for the next 40 years. That's the alternative. So, and you think you're going to fix problems without something like that hanging over your head? There isn't a chance. You'll just avoid them because that's what people do. It's really hard to, to solve problems, especially in a relationship. We're having a fight and I find out that it's, you know, because you're, you were abused by your uncle when you were five or some goddamn thing. You know, it's like, it's very frequent that that sort of thing happens. You, there, there's the partner, your partner's, you know, manifesting some weird anomalous behavior. You just can't make heads or tails of it. It doesn't seem related to what you're doing at all. They don't want to talk about it. And so as soon as you bring it up, they get mad. And then you bring it up again, they even get madder and they tell you that you're not going to talk about that or they're going to leave. And so maybe you're really, really persistent because you're kind of a son of a bitch and then they break down and cry, you know. And then they have this horrible memory that comes flooding forward that's completely, you don't know what to do with it and then you have to sort it out. So you think you're going to do that unless there's a good reason? You have to know, we better sort this out or we're going to be carrying it around for the next 40 years. That maybe is enough motivation so you'll actually try hard to solve. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Dr. Peace, along with special guest co-host, Denda Jones-Hill. Our special guest is Coach of I for this morning's discussion question, is marriage, is marriage dead? Uh, we got several callers, so I'm going to jump to the callers, y'all, so y'all bear with me. Area Can I say something real quick, Montoya, before oh, yeah, you jump to do. a caller? Yeah, please do. Uh, from the last caller, I think that caller said something that was very key, the evolution of what marriage is. I think that phrase alone is a huge response to is marriage, still, is marriage dead. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it may I not be good, but it's definitely evolved into something different from what maybe it was intended to be or what our parents had or what the generation before us had. It is definitely something different and has evolved. Right. I, I would agree. I think that's very key. And I'll tell you, I think the biggest conflict on the on that that word, just to share this before I go to the caller, of the idea of I was on a discussion. I think I told you about this culture about a few years ago uh, with the brother, and that's what he was focused on. You know, marriage has to evolve. My, marriage has to evolve. And he was definitely his younger brother thinking of it kind of in the new age concept. Uh, and, and a big part of it is that love portion, right? Like, like you can't obviously you can't you won't necessarily put the milk back in the carton. And so, you know, we're not going to revert completely back to where love is not a part of it. Like, that's that's impossible because we, as I always say, we are the first generations of humans to grow up with movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so if you can imagine, not, not to mention the social media like that you mentioned, Coach Devon, right? So you're not going to, as a human, in a sense, as humans, we're not going to revert to leaving that out of it. Clearly, the history, love wasn't even a part of it, right? And so the involvement has to be, in a sense, understanding foundationally what marriage is to include this aspect. So I do think that's part of the involvement. The the issue that becomes hardened and is difficult to get past is the aspect of uh, what you mentioned earlier, Coach when you were talking about the patriarchal a- aspect of the church, um, you know, talking about, you know, women being virgins and, and that type of thing. The one thing that men will always hang on to and I think makes the involvement very difficult is if they do decide to marry you, and, and, and again, the church end up backing this up, but even in cultures without religions, this end up being the case. Even if a man chooses to marry you, then the idea of my wealth and my finances going to my children is where men get very restrictive on, I need to ensure this is my child. And so the concept of monogamy within a marriage is a stronghold for men, even though we as men and in this generation, we don't care nothing about women sleeping around, but we do care if, care if she's our wife. And now we want to make sure this is our child. So that's the part of the involvement that's very difficult because it makes us hold on to an old aspect of tradition that actually makes sense when you get into evolutionary science and understanding how the genders kind of separate a little bit when you study the science of it. The one thing that men will never let uh, is, is this child mine. Now, of course, this applies very different for blended families, but for early families, that's the, the, the hurdle that we would somehow have to figure out in this involvement. Um, thank you for that thought, because that definitely was worth talking about. Uh, with that said, let, let me do this so I can get back on track. We're a minute away from the next break, so let me just do the break out the way so I can just get the callers coming out of this break. So y'all forgive me. I got off a little track on the show, so our segments have been a little shorter than normal. But if I do this break now, it'll get us back on track. So let me go ahead and just jump to a break, and 301 will come to you out of the break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Do you need marketing designed specifically to compete in today's digital age? Well, look no further than Emoreage Digital Business Solutions, a marketing agency that's well-equipped to provide solutions to the challenges faced by businesses looking to acquire... Hello, did the commercial cut off for y'all? It did. Okay, I just want to, okay, that's, I wanted to see if that was live on the air. All right, y'all, let me just go to this one cut. Um, that I want to play in re- reference to this as well. 
So we just had a little technical difficulty. It happens from time to time, not too often. Uh, let me just play this cut, and we'll come to 301 out of this cut. The rest of your life. See, there's some, there's some additional problems with divorce that people don't really grasp when they're young. Like the idea that you can be divorced once you have children, that's kind of a stupid idea because you can't. You can, you, can, you can find a limited substitute for your initial freedom. But if you, if you have kids and you try to get divorced, the probability that that's going to demolish your life is very, very high. First of all, it's incredibly expensive. So one or both of you is going to come out of that poor. And your market value has declined. Let's say you're the woman who takes the kids. Your market value has declined radically. You're going to be poorer. The man, he's just as screwed because he is now an indentured servant and there's no escape from it. So it's, and it's not so bad if you can negotiate a peaceful separation, and some people can, but lots of times if you have a terrible relationship, it's not like negotiating a peaceful separation is all that easy. But if you're at each other's throats, good luck to you. I think it's roughly equivalent to having non-fatal cancer. It is not pleasant. It's a 10-year process, 15-year process. It'll cost you $250,000, and it'll tear a big chunk out of your life. And also, it will really disrupt your relationship with your kids. And, you know, you bring kids into a step-parent family, they do not do as well. Step-parents are not as good parents as biological parents, and the data on that is clear. Now, obviously, there are exceptions, because there are terrible biological parents, and there are wonderful step-parents. But if you look in aggregate, it's not that easy to care for children. You need everything you can binding you to them. And if they're someone else's children, mostly they get in the way of the person that you love. Right? Well, if I'm, let's say you have a child, I'll be right out. Let's say you have a child and I want to go out with you. Every second you spend with that child is the second you don't spend with me. And, and there's going to be a price for that. I'm not going to be happy about that. And, and if I have a child, you're going to feel exactly the same way. You might say, well, no, I love children. It's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Sure you do. I doubt it. You might love your child. And, and you know, it's pretty specific the way that people love children. So, and the rate of abuse for kids in step-parent families is way higher than it is in biological families. There's not even any comparison. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Oh, this morning's question, question is marriage dead? Special guest co-host Jedi Jones Hill, as well as Cultivide. We are going to bang through callers. I know you want to respond, Cultivide, but I got to bang through these right callers. <laughs> oh yeah, we might get to it, but I got to bang through these callers. We got at least three on the line, uh-huh, so let's start uh-huh. these out. All right, three zero one, last three six nine seven. Where are you calling us from? I'm sorry, what's your name? Where are you calling from? And your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hi, this is Marilyn Aldoni calling from Philadelphia. Hey, how you doing, Marilyn? Thank you for getting in on this thing. What you got for us this morning, Queen? Hey, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I just want to say, like, that last little cut was really intense, but I um, absolutely want to touch on what I've heard so far, because uh, sisters on the line, I definitely agree with the idea that marriage is not dead. Um, it is on life support and um, needs to evolve. But I also want to add that how we currently do marriage must die. Like, it, we, we can't continue the way that we have been doing it. 
and thinking that um, marriage can survive if we don't make a, a, a major change. Um, and I think a lot of the problem is that we, we can't blame marriage and institution for the problems that we have. You know, it's more so what we as a culture and as people mm -hmm. have done to the institution mm -hmm. of marriage and the way that we approach it. And I think it's a problem that we have with a gross lack of accountability for how our choices affect our outcomes in terms of what we have in our marriages. We are, um, I think we're, we're, we are very undereducated and just, um, you know, ignorant in a lot of ways, which in a lot of it is no fault of our own, um, at least, you know, when we're young. And some of us are downright delusional about what marriage entails and what marriage requires, um, even going into it. And I think one of the biggest problems is that a lot of us aren't willing to, uh, I always say that when it comes to other things in our lives, um, if we're trying to get uh, in shape, we'll hire a coach, a trainer, we'll hire tutors if we're in school, mm -hmm. we'll get everyone involved to help us succeed in every other area of our lives, but we will not invest in someone to help us with our marriages. We, we always want to wing it <laughs> with our marriages. We don't get mentors, coaches, counseling. You know, we want to do this in a vacuum, and that's, like, impossible without having the support of people who are doing it well and who love and value marriage. If everybody around us are people who don't know what they're doing, don't like marriage, have all kinds of negative connotations around it, we are doomed, you know, to continue the same cycle. And I just believe in becoming a student of whatever it is that you choose to do. Um, being intentional, and we got to educate people from a very young age about what it requires. And part of the education is the example that we set, you know, um, in terms of how we, you know, do our marriages. And everybody has talked about healing, and that's such an important aspect of what we need to do. But knowing what you, who you are, um, and knowing what you want from marriage, and then communicating that to your partner is very important and be willing to move on before marriage. You know, don't waste your time with someone that's not, you know, a lot of times we think that, somebody said this before, we think that marriage is going to bring that commitment and all the other good things, you know, but everything that we see in a person, the, the red flags that we see before marriage are not likely to change after marriage if we don't address it. Um, we talk about sticking through it to marriage. Don't stick to someone or stick through a lot of stuff with someone before marriage. That's the time to move on and leave the person alone. It's after marriage that it's worth sticking through and trying to get through it. And I think a lot of us spend a lot of time before we're married to someone trying to hold on to this person instead of letting it go and not wasting our time. And uh, last little thing that I'll say here, because I know other people are on the line, is about making agreements um, before marriage. And not just prenups, or, uh, but actually hashing through all of the different expectations, needs, all of that, sitting down with someone and actually being very concise and clear about what it is that you need, what they need, and understanding how it is that you're going to go about this marriage before you get into it. And if somebody's willing to sit down with you and do that, that's a great show of commitment right there. Because a lot of times people are just wishy-washy and they want to, you know, just mm -hmm. kind of, like I said before, wing it. 
and, um, yeah, let, and you let know, let me ask you this, Marilyn. Let me ask you this, Marilyn, because Marilyn mm-hmm. is a cognitive behavioral therapist as well as she actually coaches people um, in in this area, like she said, which I think is a, a a very high point that we absolutely that should be part of the involvement because the reality is mm-hmm. we're very aware that the fact that our culture you're no longer getting it via example by you know, we are the generation that most of us did not grow up in a in a, a two parent home where we had an example. And that's not just a you know, blanket statement saying that, that alone makes it okay, but the reality is we're living out the results of not having that any longer. So I love you highlighting the fact that people should experts in the area that should matter the most. But if you could, Marilyn, mm-hmm. give a quick example of an agreement because again, while that makes sense, if no I've 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 Got, I, I was first exposed to that about five or six, seven years ago, and so I had never heard anything mm-hmm. like that. So can you give an example of what an agreement might look like for somebody on the line who might be like me and say it sounds good, but I don't know exactly what that is? Well, you know, I'll talk about, you know, my, my husband and I. I can share our personal experience. You know, going into I've been married before, and I um, got married very young. I was 18, and it just, you know, ended really badly. And that's why I say all the things and some of the, the cuts that you've played before are so true and so applicable in many ways because that was the, the fallout of my first marriage and divorce. Um, going into um, my second marriage, my current marriage, uh, we did um, have an agreement. And when I talk about an agreement, it's about, you know, everything. You know, a lot of people that are in my circle, we talk about even like the sitting on the thermostat in the house, you know, the um, the way that you handle disagreements, the way that, you know, whose house, uh, whose family do you visit, you know, for which holidays, um, what do you like to receive as gifts, what their love languages are, you know, just so many things I could um, I could go on and on, you know, mm-hmm. that that we sat down and really talked about. And these are all things that people tend to see as being trivial, but they're the things that can 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 build up and really create, you know, friction. How we handle each other's families, you know, how you're going to raise the children, what kind of parenting style you're going to employ, um, you know, how. Now, thank you for those examples. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to another caller, but thank you for those many examples, and I'm just highlighting them because. If I'm understanding you correctly, these are conversations you had prior to the marriage. Am I correct yes. in hearing that as agreement? Yes, correct. So I just want the people to hear how detailed, because I was never familiar with this thought process. And so look how deep you're having to go, whereas most people are finding these things out after the fact. Her, Marilyn and her husband talked about even those details prior to the marriage. Thank you so much for your three cents this morning, Queen. You're welcome. All right, let's go to area code 404. Thank now, thank you. Area code 404-915. Pretty sure you're, I'm assuming you're calling from Atlanta. What's your name and what's your three cents this morning? All right. 915 still doesn't want to get in. Just wanted to make sure. It seemed like I saw the number jump back up. All right. Let's go 213-LAST-3001. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. 213, you're live. Two one three. Can y'all hear me? Yep, you're live. You're live. Yes. I'm just saying, yeah, man. I appreciate the dialogue. It's Jay White. How you doing today? Hey, what's up, King? What you got, King? What you got for us, man? Please give us your three cents. I'm, I'm, I'm just, very interested. Man, I'm just soaking it up. I'm just soaking up the info, man. So I'm I'm here chiming in, just listening. So I appreciate the topic. I appreciate the insight. And uh, yeah, man, didn't learn. 
All right, appreciate you, King. Got you. All right, let's go. We got one more caller. Then we're going to get back to you, Jendai, and um, Coach Vi. Area code 661, last three, 362. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Okay, so hi. My name is Ty, and I'm calling from California. Um, I I, just, I think that the whole dialogue, I think, is going amazing. Um, I just wanted to add a couple of things from the last couple of callers. Um I don't think marriage is dead, but I do think that we have to start having a paradigm shift of the criteria uh, for marriage, or or better yet, a better framework for it. But I think that that's kind of what everyone else is kind of hitting at, too, um, to where there could be some confusion for some people, but I think it maybe has to kind of come from self, from the difference between what are husband benefits, what are wife benefits, what are boyfriend benefits, what are girlfriend benefits. Um, I know that you had another podcast to basically, uh, I think to where you're saying like you wouldn't teach your daughter to even have a boyfriend, you know? And so I think that those type of dialogues should probably be happening in the home and there should be more of a kind of a framework and a criteria and that should be like the norm. Um, There's a lot of people that walk around who have children who have a legacy, but they've never been married. And so it's like, you know, is that, are we going to start kind of creating that within our culture? But then if we create that within our culture, what would that do to our community really? And so I think dialogues like this are really important. Uh, second, I think um, just being intentional with your time with the person. And keywords, intentional, in other words, time. Different people are at different um, life stages and they're at different ages to where some people may rush into it because they feel like, hey, like, you know, the end of my clock is kind of happening, therefore I'm going to just kind of go into it. And But they're not being as intentional with making those observations. Um, a lot of folks talk about, you have to know the red flags. Um, I think that people should know more about themselves to understand what's a red flag, but then also what's a yellow flag? What's a green flag? And if you have so much trauma around you, are you confused on what, you know, do you see a green flag like a red flag? Because there's a lot mm. of people who go, hey, like, you know, things are going really good, and their own anxiety starts kind of coming up. And so it's like, you know, now they're feeling like it's a red flag, even though these could all be green flags, you know. And so having those dialogues and having more community supports, if you're dating somebody, their surroundings, are they surrounded by other married people? Do they talk about marriage? Do they see healthy relationships? Um, asking sometimes those uncomfortable questions, but they're impactful questions. Like, hey, you know, hey, if I marry you, you know, does your mom, does she see it more like losing a son instead of gaining a daughter? Like asking people some of those questions that I think that some people try to stay, uh, people stay away from because they don't want to come off a certain way or they're going into a certain type of territory. But you might as well ask it before you jump into this huge, you know, basically of uh, uh, this love contract, but it's also business contract because it has to be it has to be a good balance of both. And so I think just kind of talking more about things like that and doing it and and, and doing the uncomfortable work um, and practice of that. And I, but I don't think that marriage is dead um, dead at all. And I think it's truly alive if you do the work. Hey, no, love it. You um another great three cents. I think you're reiterating a lot of what Marilyn again, who's a cognitive behavioral therapist as well as a wife um I'm I don't know if I'm exactly she's a coach. I know she helps um mothers figure out how to in a sense um get out of the workplace and live abundantly. So that's something that Marilyn does and I think a lot of what you're saying aligns with that. Just really understanding all of these things prior. That's the work and I would even offer and even Coach I would agree with this, that it, it's, that's the involvement, is that we get more diligent prior to 
because we have not had the example to kind of learn through osmosis, if you will. That's our reality. Uh, we are up against a break, so I do apologize. What? We've got a couple other callers. Uh, who's, who's making that thought? Yeah, I'll give you 30 seconds. Hold on. I, I, when we come back, yeah. Okay, cool. I got you. All right, we're up against the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Ephraim's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales. His no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. One of the things that we're doing in our society, which I think is, I think it's absolutely appalling, is that we're making the case that all families are equal. Mm-hmm. It's like, sorry, no. Wrong. And there's no empirical data supporting that proposition, by the way. It's much better for kids to have two parents. Okay. Now, who those parents are, that's a whole different issue. But. Okay, and if I could just uh, add one more thing. Uh, how would you ask that question to, let's say, a daughter who was raised without a father? Because she would obviously have different ways of finding those fragments of her missing father than, like, a boy would instead. Because obviously they're raised differently. At least they should have been. Well, I think it's the same issue, you know. I mean... I, th- I think that another danger that emerges, and this is Freud's, of course, famous observation, is that, you know, if, if there's mom and child or father and child, that relationship can get a little closer than it should. And then the lines get blurry and mixed. And I'm not saying that that happens to everyone, obviously, but, mm-hmm. but it's still a danger that, that's inherent in the situation. They're thrust together too tightly without sufficient resources. Okay. And so the responsibility has to be distributed more. And, like, I really do think that it's the sign of the degeneration of a society when, that when, when single parenthood becomes anything approximating the norm. It's okay. not a good idea. And, the, and part of the reason I believe that, and, and I think this has to do with the um, overwhelming selfishness of, 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 of modern life, is that marriage isn't for the people who are married. It's for the children, obviously. And, like, if you can't handle that, grow the hell up. No, I mean seriously. Yeah, okay. Seriously. Once you, once, you, once you have kids, it is not about you. Period. Now, that doesn't mean it isn't about you at all. But that just seems so self-evident to me. I can't believe that anybody would even, would even question it. Oh, it's been so, questioned. Oh, yes. Well, horrible. I'm certainly aware of that. Yes, it's questioned. It's almost illegal to question it now. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to... The Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, special guest co-host, Jendaya Jones-Hill. This morning's discussion question, is marriage dead? Our special guest is Kotevai. Kotevai, you had a thought before I go to another caller. Go ahead, Queen. Kotevai? So, first, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you now. Can, go ahead, Queen. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, I would say... One of the things I wanted to talk about in terms, I think her name was Marilyn, when your first marriage and you're young or ever been married. Um, your phone's cutting in and Even out. Even if you've can done. You call back in, can you call back in, Coach Vaca, because it's cutting in and out? 
Is that better? Can you hear me better? Um, if you, yeah, can you, you hear do something me now? different. Yeah, I think we can hear you now. You were cutting in and out. Yeah, I did. So start out. So, start out. so, so start, start I was saying when you're on your first marriage and you're young or you've never been married, sometimes people don't know what agreement to ask for, even if they get the counseling, even if they do the work they think they need to do prior to marriage. One of the things I love she said, just like, like she said she was on her second marriage, most of us want some logistics with our love. And so it's not as simple as I love you, you love me less. There's some things you can to do different to improve your chances of that next marriage if you choose it, Vincent. I fortunately was able to witness my parents' 50-year marriage, all my aunties and uncles, they're still at 67-year marriages, long marriages. And so when I got divorced after 14 years of marriage, after a short little, like, blip, my life got exponentially better. And that's the part people don't talk about. If you're with a partner that maybe y'all have not been in the same space and it did not work out, the marriage was not meant to go long-term, whether you have children or not, quality of life can be better. My life literally has gotten better across the board. That's not hindered me dating. And, and I have five sons I'm raising. And those who people know, my, I, my kids have been raised on love, and they've been raised on support, not on struggle. Here I am with a ripple sending five more solid male human beings out into the world. So a lot of people say it can't be banned. And marriage can be good in support raising healthy human beings, it can still be done by a single parent. Um, it's not a guarantee of a healthy environment necessarily for children. It can be. And and I think that's what most people want to be the goal. But, um, you know, I, I think when you talk about staying married a long time and the work it takes, and I started off with that, it takes work. But at this stage, am I willing to go in and do the work? And unfortunately, a lot of people who had those first marriages are kind of like bowing out to it because the, the emotional lifting becomes too much. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think it's a thing. I think it's that evolution that the caller talked about of the shift of being married. I do subscribe to being with someone a long time if you choose to marry them. Do they have their toothbrush parked by the door? Do they leave the seat up? What are the red flags that are going to be that thing to irritate you to walk out of another marriage? So I, I subscribe to cohabitation. I subscribe to being with a person as long as possible before you put that contract um, in place. When you're young, you have the luxury of just covering that. As an older person, I, I, I don't want to go in the bathroom. My seat is left up all day. So those little things that might have been a cute irritant when you were young as an older person looking at marriage, those things can be huge when you've gotten used to being with yourself. So things I wanted to say. Okay, I'm going to say a little bit back to you and then go to the caller, if you will. So um, love the thoughts. So what I'll share with you is um, everything uh, I, I respected, everything you said is a, a reality for you. My however is um, if you – obviously, I've been paying a lot of cuts from Jordan Peterson, but it, even in his speaking, he – like for I'll just use this as an example when he talked about step-parents versus biological parents. He always qualifies and says – Obviously, there are terrible biological parents and there are wonderful step parents. And he's qualifying because he absolutely understands that when you said, because you mentioned here, you said people don't talk about, you know, situations in which it's successful. And so it's not that people don't talk about it. Like I said, he's qualified even his comments. What happens is the aggregate shows that it is much better in general as a value this to work out. So what ends up happening is when you fall outside of the aggregate, you end up being the exception. 
And so I always kind of make a challenge to understand that, for example, when you say cohabiting a long time prior to marriage, there are no numbers that support that that's better. The numbers actually end up being the exact same. So cohabiting doesn't prove to be better, even though there are people who cohabited long time, got married, and they had a wonderful situation. But there are no numbers to show that, oh, this works out much better. So I definitely understand the perspective. I'm not disavowing the perspective. I am highlighting that some situations are exceptional. I'm not saying it works much better. I'm saying it's an alternative to the well, traditional no, no, no. I didn't, idea I didn't of what I didn't, marriage is. Yeah, no, I, I didn't suggest that you said they work much better. I didn't say that at all. I just highlighted that um, when you said people are not talking about them, quite often we're just running to the aggregate of if you do these things right, or even when you mentioned the idea of getting counseling prior. Um, if the, I always warn this because we grew up, I grew up in the South, like in the Mental Dialogue Community Club, we profess um, a professional counsel, counselor in addition to your religious counseling. So I definitely know people get that, that traditional quite often in the South, just that cursory, you know, meet with your preacher prior to the marriage. Uh, but I would recommend professional counseling like a Maryland because then you're going to ask those type of questions that could be a big difference on, you know what, should we even do this? Let's get to a, a, a caller. Area code. I just came with one line. I just got one line before you get to the caller. And I just wanted to say that you can survive marrying wrong. People can survive marrying wrong. I won't go into details right now because I know we got to get to the caller, but I definitely wanted to throw that out there. Okay, folk can survive marrying wrong. Go ahead. Yeah, I've, heard, I've seen that as well. That's a good thought. I never thought about that, but you're right. Uh, let's go to area code 478, last 3303. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. What's the text? Peace, family. What's good, man? It's sincere. You know I had to call in on this one right here, man. I figured you would be in on this one. Go ahead, King. What you got? <laughs> All right, man, I'm calling right now from Delaware, man. Had a show last night. That was dope. But anyway, um, I am calling as a happily and healthily married black man. So marriage ain't dead. We trying yeah. to kill it, though. So, 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 so here's the thing. Like, this is, this subject matter is what I teach my clients as a holistic relationship coach that had to learn the value in myself first so I can see the value in the woman that was going to be my wife. Mm-hmm. So we have to understand the choice mechanism, right? That's why I created a course called Dating Decoded. So we need to understand what we see in ourselves so we can better see what we see in other folks, then understand love from a tribal perspective so we can elevate our consciousness to understand what a commitment level is to that person that you're going to commit and submit to. And not in a negative way, but submit self for the greater good. Not saying that you shouldn't love yourself or you shouldn't treat self or you shouldn't take care of self, but you have two identities. There's the individual identity when you're married, and then there is the communal or the relationship identity. We don't know the principles, and when we learn the principles, we can design our own happy and healthy relationship, which I'm teaching brothers and sisters how to do properly. All right? So so y'all should make sure to tap into the level of frequency that you want for your marriage. 
because it does exist out here. So be inspired, be motivated, understand that it works when we understand what make it work. The most brilliant people on the face of this planet have problems with this marriage thing, which says that we don't know enough about how to conduct it properly. So it exists, and I'm here for that. I appreciate the conversation, brother. Keep having them, and I'm going to keep chiming in. Peace and love. No, thank you. Um, Cecile, real quick, um, how can they um, take yeah. the class, man? Because uh, I've had this brother on before, and we do some bit work together as well. Um, I highly recommend Marilyn, uh, who called in previously, as well as his brother. Uh, but, yeah, if somebody out there in the day, um, um, I had I don't know if you remember when I had Bond, um, the relationship, um, the alchemist on the show or whatever, but he says the dating pool has P in it. And so I would, if, if, if you agree with that concept, then I would highly recommend you take Cecile's <laughs> class so that you can avoid the pee in the pool. So if you will, okay, uh, if you got a quick, if you can, just quickly share how they can uh, take your class. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's on Own the Vision Academy, uh, but you can uh, uh, connect with me. It's in a link in my uh, my link tree at Sincere Sincere on the Instagram. Um, that's S-I-N-S-E-A-R-S-I-N-C-E-R-E, which uh, I have a link to my book, The 30 Love Laws, as well. Um, and this is our work. This is our mission. I have people that I've influenced that are now happily married, um, starting at zero. I am a product of a divorce, but I champion marriage because we need it to move our culture, our people, and our society forward. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no society is developed without that foundational piece and uh, all the dialogues that we have in our community, uh, within the conscious community, within the black community, whatever the case may be, uh, I quite often see all of these solutions that never really touch bases on the foundation. And if you really get into the history of, of societies, and then of course we already heard the history of marriage was definitely used for another purpose and so what happens is the involvement has to include in my opinion a little bit of that and a little bit of a lot of the things that we're talking about and and, and taking Marilyn and Sincere's advice in the sense of let's get coached in this area that we all want strength and happiness in and, and people can be in different stages like um, Kotovah said if you don't you're not looking for this then of course this conversation is not for you. But if you're looking forward and looking to, in a sense, have children and bring them along healthily in the best way, if you can get this right, the numbers bear out. And again, this does not include no abusive situations or situations that should end. But to um, Jendaya's point, if you if you're committed to it, you can figure it out even when you, quote, unquote, marry wrong. I like that thought. We're up against a blast break. When we come back, I'm going to open it up strictly for Kotovai and Jendaya to get their thoughts off for the next segment. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. 
But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They see us. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478 781 Four eight six zero. Again, for a service job done right, that number is four seven eight seven eight one four eight six zero. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. So when I make this post, a mother can teach you to be responsible but not how to be responsible for a family. You need a father for that. What I'm actually was highlighting specifically was, as we've mentioned time and time again on this broadcast, 82 or 84% of our households in our community are woman-led. Well, if she's there alone without a man at all, then unfortunately the family, the children, are never learning what does it look like for their mother to be taken care of. I'm not talking about him paying all the bills. Get the, Take the money out of it. Let's go to the things that matter. The providing of, okay, it's hard enough to raise a family when there are two involved. It's difficult to pull it off, especially if there's several children. So whether it's a single mother or even a single father for this matter, let me be very clear about this post, even though I put it in the context of needing a father. Whether it's a single mother or a single father. While a lot of my mother was an amazing single mother. While there are a lot of people who are an amazing single parents, if you will. Well, your children, unless you have other family structured around you in a village, which many of us don't have anymore, your children are not learning the dynamic of what does it look like when father looks out for mother or mother looks out for father. That's a dynamic they will have to learn elsewhere if you don't have an example inside the home. That was the bigger point of this conversation. So, yes, a mother can mm-hmm. teach your children responsibility, but they won't see a father taking care of her. And so what a lot of us as boys, seeing our mother do every damn thing, we don't grow into the natural space of what it looks like to take care of a woman. We start dating women, expecting her to do everything our mother did because our mother still found her best way to take care of us and clean after us, especially as boys, if you will. And so since that was the normal dynamic and our mother is our world, we go out into the world with a false sense of what a woman should be capable of doing. So we don't think nothing about 50-50 and still wanting that woman to do all the duties. We have no concept of how unfair that might be if I'm trying to start a family with this woman. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Jendaya Jones-Hill, as well as Kota Vi, 
with our special guest for this morning's discussion question is marriage dead if you've been listening the last few weeks you already heard a piece of that cut uh, when I was on the show with Latrice, our other, one of our other Queens of Intellect member, and I had made a Facebook post um, that you heard there, so I'm not going to go too deep. You heard my point. Um, but mm-hmm. we're having to figure it out and evolve marriage. I like that word, Coach Avai, if you will. And you as a special guest queen, if you will, um, your thoughts about maybe what you just heard or any other thoughts that you wanted to share. Um, we are on our last segment. I- Disagree 99% of what was just said, um, and because I am the example of that, having been raised by two parents. However, I'm raising five sons and the, into and putting them in the presence of men who can take them across that line to manhood. So there does not necessarily have to be a man in the home. What there still needs to be is community. Even as a married couple, um, there needs to be community. There, we are not an island unto ourselves, and that comes off the trauma of slavery where we were displaced and were forced to forge relationships and build family with people who are not our biological family. I do believe that the community you build does not have to be biological. My sons, or even if they were daughters, have been raised to be independent people to take care of not only themselves, but to be able to take care of a partner and a spouse. They do need to receive love I need to receive because I built my community, both uh, with friends, with the very few men I've dated that they've met, so they have loved on well. I think that's a um, misleading statement to say that. I did not do it for my sons. I taught them how to be independent and do for themselves be of service. So even now, you know, in their 20s, they've chosen well because of the level of intellect they've seen in me and the level of care they've seen in me, and it's a reciprocation. It's not just me getting and doing they also give and do for me as well. So I wanted to address that part. And I will let say, me, you know, let me, marriage let me say is this, not... Let me say this, let me say this, because um, so we can have a dialogue about it. So um, I want you, and you may have just missed it during the cut, what you just laid out was said in the cut. It said, I, you know, just to lay it out, it was, it was said that I was addressing that, unfortunately, many people don't have that, because it mentioned, it simply said that if... You don't have it. You have to have that village. So you have beautifully bought, you have beautifully created that village. But if we're honest about our culture, unfortunately, a lot of people have not been in a position or don't even know to or out of fear do that. Right. So you, yeah. So I just want to highlight that the cut says, unfortunately, most of us have don't have that village any longer. So the cut is the reality for how a lot of us, myself included, or how we learn when we don't have what you did. The reason a lot of us mentor, you know, I do after school program. The reason a lot of us mentor is because we're trying to recover for a lot of situations in our own neighborhoods where those sisters don't have enough examples. I, I one time I was going to be a big brother, big sister. There is a overwhelming too many boys to even capture that they can even put with a brother because they don't have any example. So, I was highlighting what happens when you don't have the example. Love exactly what you've done for your boys. Continue your thought, Coach Bai. So the last last thing I want to say in terms of marriage, you know, is marriage dead? No. However, I want to point out, especially those of us who maybe been married and for whatever reason it didn't work out, it didn't work in my marriage. It just didn't work. When you're talking about two people who have to make a decision, sometimes you don't have I do want to say that oftentimes when you get to the stage where I am, Marriage isn't and never has been the goal. For those who does not have that, 
level of partnership, you know, is out there, I think is limited unless you do come in and with what you want or someone wants and doing the research to make sure the person stands in front of you. But but there's also a variety of ways to have relationships. We mostly talked about monogamous type relationships and marriages, but on the extension of evolution, there are different love lifestyles now. There are different ways people have marriages, and that needs to be put out there as well. I yeah. am about 90% sure I, I won't marry again. And it's not because yeah. I can't, and it's not because the option's not there. I just don't feel like maybe it's something I want to do going forward because of the work I do know it requires, and I don't know that I'm willing to no, put that sense. into someone else, not long yeah. term. No. no, that makes sense, and I and I and I would love to highlight. And I yeah. think you've already said this from the beginning that if you're at a different stage in your life, this conversation is very different. So obviously, none none of it in a sense applies across the board. But if I were to highlight the cut where Peterson says, "Hey, end of the day, marriage is for the children." That gets into where a lot of the tradition comes from and a lot of the focus and why men get so concerned with who did my wife sleep with because I want to make sure if I leave this wealth, it's my child. That's a whole different conversation, and a lot of us do grow up chasing that, and so that dialogue is more for that. But I absolutely agree that if, if you don't want children or you're at a stage where that's already been there, done that, then what that variety looks like works just fine. And other things can work even for other people because you're right. We do have conversations on the other types of marriages. Today was just that conversation. Jindai, um give us your final thoughts. But even if marriage is not the goal, I wanted to tack on real quick. Even if marriage is not the goal, there are people who date. I just want to throw that in there. Okay, Jindai, I'm sorry. No, Jindai, no, you're good, you're good. Go ahead, Jindai. Okay. Go give us your closing thoughts. Thank you so much for holding me down. Again, I know you're a little under under the weather, but true to form, you always come through. So I appreciate you. And when you give your closing thoughts, also um, let them know how they can get in contact with Growing in Marriage and Code of I, I need to leave a little second for you to um, let them know how they can stay in contact with you as well. Go ahead, um, Queen. we got three minutes. I, I don't think you'll take the whole three minutes. Go ahead, Queen. All right, man. I do want to address the fact that I think it's interesting that people are like they're not into marriage goals and things like that, but yet they play married because they'll get into long-term relationships and or they're sexually intimate with people. And every time they have sex with somebody, you're saying, I trust you with my life. You know what I'm saying? But not willing to go, but not willing to trust them in marriage. So that's another conversation for another topic. My three cents to conclude is with a quote from Sabon Fusomay. Every intimate relationship involves the self, the person, the people who surround you, the place, and the spirit. For the sake of uh, the survival of marriage, we must not only include the people that are involved, but family and community. That's my two cents, or three cents, and hit your girl up at Black Grown and Married uh, on Facebook and social media. I love it. Cultivate any um, public information. Uh, we got to say we got a couple of minutes, so um, yeah. Any public information? No, it's just my name, Cultivate, on all social media outlets. Um, and my name is K O T T A D E I. Yeah, spell it um, one more time. I think I may have been talking when you said it. Say it, spell it again. Okay, um, it's just my name, which is Cultivate K O T T A V E I, on pretty social media outlets. So, yeah. No, I appreciate you. No, thank you so much for coming on. Thank both of you. And so I'll give my. 
final thoughts here, if you will. Is marriage dead? I think a lot of the callers said, hey, it's not dead. Some suggested that it was on life support. I think um, I personally love what Marilyn said and the, uh, the idea that in, in the way that we're continuing, it is, I've got our, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, it's going to die or something to that effect. And I think she's on to something. Um, I think it behooves us. Um, I, I love what Ty from Cali said as well, that more conversations like these, I think, can interject just some of the things that we need to be thinking about when it comes to the idea of marriage and even introducing, um, and I'll kind of align with Jordan on this, where he says, hey, we've become more of a selfish society. So the one thing that we, I would say bring back traditionally is understanding that the marriage is for the children, but as Peterson said, it doesn't mean it's not about you at all, but grow the hell up when it comes to that and your commitment to the children can mean, again, don't stay in abusive situations at all. Let me be clear. But if you can be mature about that, you can even figure out how to, as Jendai said, even if you marry wrong, your commitment to your children and legacy can make you wise up and get that right. However, if we can do the agreements and start having these conversations even about the small thing prior to marriage, get professional counseling, not just your religious counseling, you have an opportunity to upon what you may not have seen in your own life. So that's how I will close out my, my three cents this, um, this afternoon. We'll see y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think. Thank you. Nice meeting you, Zinzai. You too, beautiful. It was a great show.